Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Larry. Yo. How we doing? Starting an hour, it's the way of mowing. <laughs> Good man is out of time. Which direction we are going? Narekio Camino. We have reached a tipping point. Welcome to the Tipping Point for October the 29th, 2019. You'll notice no bombastic intro by Stephen Platinum. Mr. Platinum canceled because his brainiac kid is involved in a math contest. Who knew? Uh, but I'm joined tonight by two wonderful co-hosts, Matt Griffin, action wrestling promoter and Georgia Wrestling History's ace reporter Rob Brodhecker are both with us tonight. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Was I supposed doing? to give the was I supposed to give the bombastic Stephen Platinum uh, intro? Because if if so, no, I, well, I, I, I did I no, I'm not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Rod, are you there? Rob Rod. Are you there? Mm. I, I, we have a technical problem already. Boy, it wouldn't be tipping point the last minute scramble, Matt, because I see his number on the screen, and I've uh, brought him out of the queue, but he's remaining silent. So, um, you know, I, Rob, if, you, probably, if you're out there, you might want to call back in because it's, it's not coming through. He's probably going to figure out that he just needs to unclick the mute button on his phone. Probably so. Okay, so he's calling back in. But thanks thanks for uh, filling in uh, tonight, Matt. And I know you've got some uh, exciting news about action that you can drop here in this uh, opening segment before we get to our guest, Trevor Aon and Jeremy Vane. Yeah, it's, it's great timing with this news because, uh, you know, we just had a very successful show Friday, which I, I think you agree. I'm very pleased with it creatively, and uh, it really fired on all cylinders. But uh, it just dropped a few hours ago on Twitter that Action Wrestling is going to officially be a part of the collective. We are doing a show with Black Label Pro 
which like action is one of the newer groups on the scene. Um, Mikey Bland, a good friend, he's been running shows for about two, two and a half years. And, uh, we've been discussing this has been in the works for some time. Um, we're, we're going to be doing a show at the collective and, <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the branding kind of, kind of really trips me out. Um, it is called Warhausen's Wrestlevania. Uh, we're going with a <laughs> motif of Warhorse and Danhausen, and uh, they're going to be the hosts of the show. And more than that is going to be revealed on uh, uh, on Twitter in the coming weeks and months. Uh, uh. But, the but, but the announcement is out there, so I'm very psyched. Uh, Action, of course, was a, we were a part of WrestleMania weekend last year. We had uh, an AC Mac versus Fred Yehi match where uh, the Action title was up for grabs at the uh, Independent Wrestling TV family reunion show. And literally since that day, I've been I've been wanting to uh, ha- be a part of the collective again this year, and it's been a it's been a process. But uh, Brett Lauderdale and Game Changer Wrestling are doing a great job planning everything out so that, um, you know, there's a lot of shows, a lot of variety of shows um, with different promotions. And, and Mikey Blanton has been my, my contact, and uh, he's been a, a great friend uh, with Black Legal Pro. I, I just was up there uh, last month to help out with his Turbo Graps 16. Um, he, did a, um, he did a tournament with 16 men over two shows, which were held in the same day, which was you know, creatively and logistically can be a lot. So he asked me to help come up and run them, and it was a great time. And uh, that those shows are available on IWTV Live as well. And, and so, yeah, it's, you know, actually I'm always trying to, to reach out and, and, and have, have partnerships, have friendships with other promotions. It, it really helps us all in independent wrestling. Um, Congratulations, I'm, I'm, I'm I guess. So who exactly will be participating is yet to be revealed. That will be in the coming weeks and months, then I gather. Yes, there's All lots right. of very very wacky ideas, you know. But it's it, it depends on it, there's a lot of things that are you know it depends on your time slot, it depends on other shows' time slots, you know who's exactly gonna be down there. Um, I have some match ideas that would really trip you out and you would like, but you know it it all depends. That's you know at, at this point it's still five months away. All right, all right. Uh, I want to check and see now if. Rob Rod has got his mute button off, and he's actually with us. Are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Beautifully. Okay. Thanks for uh, joys of, joining joys us this of technology. evening. Yeah. Glad, glad yeah. to be on. So, yeah, we'll have, uh, as I mentioned previously, we'll have Trevor uh, Ann joining us at around approximately 7.15 to talk about primarily about his you know he's li- literally just back from Japan. I think he just got back in yesterday, uh, yep. sometime from Japan. And uh, then we'll have Jeremy Vane coming on for the second half of the show. And you know, you know, we know we're going to be talking about there. He booked Jacob Ashworth this past <laughs> weekend, and uh, we're going to be talking about exactly that. Um, but um, I know uh, Rob, Rod, we just got I just got your po- your report yes up yesterday about the. Um, action show and I know you liked it but I wanted to ask you about um the disruptor show on Saturday what an interesting concept so they they only drew about 45 people but I I read there that it's going to air on Amazon Prime is that right 
Uh, that is what I was told. I'm not too sure of the details yet of when it will be going on. Hopefully, uh, uh, either Clint Eller or Jacob Hughes, uh, Hughes will be able to get that information uh, to me. Uh, but it was a very interesting place. Uh, you know, it's kind of I would I won't say like AWE light, but in that vein, uh, a very cozy and intimate setting. Uh, black walls, standing room only. You had to bring your own chair if you wanted to sit down, and, and the action was pretty pretty darn good. And they, at this point, though, they they did not announce a return date. That's uh, that's going to be coming later. They're they're uh, they were saying sometime in December. They just had to firm up with the uh, owner of the venue uh, exactly when those dates would be when that date would be free. But they're, they're hoping uh, for the December showing. So Great. Rob, I have a question. I have a question. Yes, with the sir. way that it's set up, it sounded it sounded almost like a. Uh, like a studio TV taping, essentially, you know, a more modern yes. one. Did you know? Oh, yeah, did they yeah. have? But did they have any expectations on attendance? Because I I saw the report, but if you're doing you know something for TV, it's more important mm-hmm. that there be fans that are loud and reactive right. as opposed to just having a lot of them. So were they were they happy with attendance? I'm just curious. Uh, from what I was able to observe, they seemed to be fairly happy with the attendance. Uh, you know, it was the talking to a little bit to the owner of the of the venue. It's uh, he was one of the he's actually a uh, videographer uh, with some uh, major some major contacts. Uh, he's worked on several name promotions, uh, and uh, he, he says that with the footage he was able to tape tonight, uh, when they get the next show going, he's really going to be uh, putting up the press on that. Using the footage that he shot from the show. Oh, good, good, good. Hey, um, I mean, switching over briefly to Saturday night uh, up in Sail Creek, Tennessee. It was a good, good weekend for uh, the Scenic City brand day. I mean, that was the well attended and, and it read like a really good show. What was your take on that, Matt? I know you were up there for it. Yeah, it was a it was a real good weekend for for Scott Dylan and I. We were real happy with uh, with the action show, um, and then uh, piggybacking on that, we had a lot of the same talent on the the uh, the tank themed throwdown show. Um, we were, I mean, the school did a great job, as you know, when you're working with a school, it, it really can be up to those school groups to maximize what they can do, whether it's uh, selling sponsorships or, or just making sure that kids turn out and. They had a pretty successful pep rally on Friday um, where a lot, they made some money and they got a lot of students excited about it. Um, and they, they did real well. There was a lot of kids, a lot of parents. I believe the attendance uh, that were the, the official number is 325 um, is, the, is, uh, is what we're going with on the number. And, and that's, that's from my crowd, from my estimates, I don't usually guess at that, but that's pretty accurate, I think. And uh, and it was a real solid show. Uh, Tank and AJ Gray started, and they had a slobber knocker. Um, we had a lot of other great talent. We had uh, uh, Manders versus Kurt Stallion. Um, we had Jax Dane, who's a local, um, and oh my gosh, he was he was over. He's uh, uh, I didn't realize he was he was right from there, but he had a lot of people there. Had a great reaction. Had a fun, very heated match with Luther X. Um, we had Ben Carter, who had another. 
who had another feather in his cap as far as having a great match with with you know with getting the crowd behind him as a young baby face. Uh, we had a we had a five way scramble match to determine the uh, first entrant into the Scenic City Invitational um, in, in which will be July 31st and August 1st of next year. So we've already got somebody announced for that. Um, and uh, uh, we had Chris Dickinson in. You know, Chris Dickinson's one of the main guys in Beyond Wrestling and GCW, which are the two biggest independent groups in, in my estimation um, that are out there. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic night. And then we capped it off with a IWTV title defense with uh, War Horse and Anthony Henry. They were, they were uh, it was cute. There was tons of 6th, 7th, and 8th grade girls kneeling down, screaming War Horse at the top of their lungs. <laughs> so it was, uh, it, was, it was a fantastic night. The school said it was the most successful fundraiser that they've had. So they already want us again next year. Um, you know, and creatively, it'll be on IWTV.live. I know it's being edited now. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was very good and productive. And uh, the first member of the, uh, or the 2020 Scenic City Invitational class is uh, Jonathan Wolf out of Indiana. That was a shocker. We like shockers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, I would have thought him the least likely to advance out of that group, but I've not, you know, I haven't seen that much of them. I've only seen him at the, at the showcase, Scenic City showcase. Yeah. So that, that's, that's quite something for him to get in the field. You know, he's worked very hard. He was on, on the turbo Graps show that I mentioned earlier for black label pro challenging AJ gray for the uh, Midwest championship and had a, a real solid match with AJ gray, which actually got him a uh, kind of a more permanent spot on the black label pro roster. And, you know, he's a, he's a good kid out of Indiana. He's one of those type of kids who's trying to really travel and spread his name and get around. And, you know, he's, he's one of them that we, we decided we've, we've already got a list. We're already booking people and looking at people and, and we've already uh, submitted lists of names to each other who we think should be in. We treat this process really, really seriously. Um, So getting the 16, getting a 16 is actually a challenge. So we, uh, you know, when when people talk about Phoenix City being creatively important, um, you know, we we try to live up to that name. You know, we you know a lot of people come. You know, we have people who travel internationally to come in for the Phoenix City. So we want to you know talk about it and give them the best show humanly possible. We try to get the the 16 best that we can and, and with a variety of talent. So. Um, yeah, we we thought it might take people by surprise, and we're happy that it did. It was a it was a it was a good match too. Excellent. Well, uh, gentlemen, we got our first uh, guest on the line here. We're joined now by a man fresh off a tour of Japan with Wrestle One, Georgia Star, Alabama Star. Trevor Aon is joining Tipping Point. Welcome to the show, sir. What's going on? Hey. Hello. Not much. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So y'all ready for me to go off? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm not going to go off. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw where you said uh, there's going to be nothing mean or crazy said, but we're not going to hold you to that. You know, if you really yeah. want to say something. No, no. I had I had a really nice talk with a few of my more 
more positive friends, and I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna snap like I was going to. I was going to, but uh, I should be a little, I should now, be a little uh, lighter. <laughs> now I need to hear, I need to know and hear what was gonna be snapped about, because I have years of things to snap about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, the, so, uh, tradi- the traditional airing of the grievances, the best part of Texas, yeah. <laughs> but. But that's also not necessarily in my personality to do something like that. I would sooner run up on you in person and air my grievances at you as opposed to telling the whole internet or telling the whole podcast. So it's best so if I if I have if I have to end up talking to anyone, I'll do it face to face to them personally instead of just getting on here because I don't I don't want that kind of attention. How refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> How refreshing that is. Hey, so let me clear this up right now, and I think you probably already know this, but if you don't, um, the thing about when I posted about Cyrus being in Japan and you were omitted from that post, I honestly did not know you were on that tour. That was just my ignorance, and I apologize for that, but it was certainly nothing intentional to omit you from that post, which I corrected as soon as I could. the picture you posted. Yes, the picture that only mentioned Cyrus and not you, with you right next to him in the in the photo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You 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 almost got got for that. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. You almost got got. For yeah, that. well, but I know. <laughs> but to be fair, if you if you legit if you know like honest mistake, it happens. Yeah, and it, so it, but at first Trevor, I was like, Trevor, I am curious. I'm curious. I know that you were on the tour. I know that Cyrus was on the tour. Um, my uh, my friend Graham Bell, the uh, the only yeah. re- wrestler with a bazooka, was on the tour. How many yeah. how many were t- were on the tour together? Um, how many and who else? And did you Let's make see. connections with other guys in other areas that you think will pay off? Let's see who else was. Uh, Trisha Dora was there. Evander James was there. Um, Adam, I fuck. I'm gonna say his name all wrong, and then he's gonna kill me. But his last name is Acid. Acerero? I cannot say his name right, and I hate myself. Adam, don't that kill me. Def- that definitely sounds wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rich Port Ayala was on there. I probably said his name wrong too. Rich, don't kill me. Love you. Both the pillars, Paul Titan and uh, Bill Gray were on there. And am I leaving any? And a uh, Blood Eagle from uh, the Inoki Dojo in L.A. Nice. Oh, 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 oh! I'm leaving, I'm leaving out one of my favorite guys, Chris Vale. He's he's the coolest dude. His his entrance gear is really amazing. Like I was, I bonded over with him over his entrance gear because his entrance gear looks so good. I was like, man, he's 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 yeah, he's awesome. So I guess there was what like was that like twelve, twelve of us? Okay. Do you think you guys networked and connected among yourselves to like help you guys get into new areas? Or, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, those, all of them are, they're, they're family to me, especially wrestling family. And I don't make, I don't make, I don't make friends in wrestling easily. I rub a lot of people the wrong way. I get it. I'm covered in satanic stuff and I'm kind of angry and I'm dark skinned and blah, 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 blah. I get it. But those guys, like, we all kind of bonded really quickly. Like, just walking, riding the trains together. You know, I was late. I got there like Monday afternoon, so everybody had already done the squats and everything. So the next training 
session came up and Kaz was there watching us and we all just worked together really well because we all just wanted we all wanted to succeed and we all wanted each other to succeed and we wanted to overall be a successful like first U.S. class going to wrestle one like that as a group and it ended mm-hmm. up turning out even better for us because after we trained he wanted us to be on shows and it turned into us working shows because I don't know that that was necessarily in the cards when that initially oh. got booked. I thought we were just going to train and go help at shows. And this, you know, a spot was open. If somebody got hurt or something, they would throw somebody in there. And it ended up being all of us wrestling, all of us getting the debut at Kirk and Hall, which I wow. never thought I would see that building in real life. So it's a huge deal to me, which is why I won't shut up about it. <laughs> and because nobody who knows me, I think there's probably five people in wrestling who would be like, oh, yeah, Trevor's going to Japan. He's going to wrestle at Kirk Hall. Nobody. Nobody thinks that about me. And and it's fine. I'm not mad about it anymore. I used to be really mad about that. I'm not mad that people don't think I'm that good or people don't like me or whatever. But, I mean, there's the proof. So, like, I don't know what else to – you know, I can't do anything else but keep performing at the level I'm performing at and beyond. How many shows did you wind up uh, being able to work over there? We actually only ended up doing two because the last two – um, we didn't have the time on the card to do it as uh-huh. far as the venue goes. And then the one we attended a show as well, it was uh, Saito's anniversary, I think 20-year anniversary, and there's so many Japanese legends on the show wrestling each other, from Masachono, the Liger, the Muda. Just, it, was, it was an incredible show overall. It was just a... Uh, that one, we were we were literally right back at Kirk and Hall the next day, and uh-huh. being there, like you know, when you wrestle, you go to shows. Like I know I've, I've gone to like WWE, and I'm sitting there like, man, I want to wrestle, and I feel weird sitting here. That show, I didn't feel weird sitting there. I was like enjoying that show almost as much as I enjoyed wrestling there myself. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Out of out of curiosity, what's the biggest thing? Your biggest takeaway? Like, obviously, you did a lot of training. You were able to unexpectedly have uh, have some matches. You met a lot of yeah. Japanese legends. But yeah. what's the biggest takeaway that you can take now that you're back in the U.S. and you're back on the indie scene here? I so before I before I went, my like a lot of things about my work ethic has been changing and evolving over the years. I've been I'm not one of those wrestlers who, like, I've been wrestling almost nine years now, but I'm not one of those guys who's like, I've been wrestling nine years. I don't go to training anymore. I don't do this. I, that's not me. I, And this is one of those things where people think that I'm not doing as much as other people because I don't talk about it or I don't say anything or I don't boast about it on social media, but I'm always doing stuff. That's one of those things that I've been doing for a long time now and I never say anything about. And uh, going over there made me realize that being that way, I was on the right track because that's how it is. Like everybody's still training, even legends. They're still training. They're still helping put the ring together. They're still helping put the building together. It it goes a lot faster when there's like a bajillion of us doing it, but they're still, they're helping. And a lot of, a lot of it was like affirmations for what I'm doing here, but knowing that I'm on the right path by doing those things. And seeing, like, 
it makes me take wrestling a lot more seriously after being surrounded by people who take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I already felt like that before I got there. But, you know, it kind of – it's a little disheartening when you take it this seriously. And then you see how things are here. You see how sometimes promoters act. You see how sometimes other wrestlers act. Sometimes it's the young wrestlers. Sometimes it's the the, the vets. And then going over there and being surrounded by your same attitude just made me feel like, okay, so this is how it should be or this is how it could be, and that's what I want. So it's just a whole lot of just a whole lot of like reaffirming positions that I already had, and making me want to work even harder. If if that's possible, I'm sure there's there's always a way to work harder. So I'm holding myself to those same standards, despite not so, being in Japan all the time. So what's your uh, what's your next booking? I'm at Pro South put Friday. Your, put and put I yourself got, over. Um, I I got a pro south in Alabama on Friday, which is the my my usual space. It's I'm there every week unless I have something else going on. And uh, on Saturday I have Pro Wrestling Ego in Mississippi, which I haven't been to in I want to say about almost a year because the last time I was there is when I was in the Great Southern Eight, which I was pushing for for years. So I'm glad they finally pulled the trigger on that. I I love tournaments. I wish people would accept my invite to do more, but here we are. (laughs) Hey, um, Trevor, what was the most surprising or unexpected thing about your experience in Japan? Unexpected. Um, how, how kind everyone is. Everybody's really polite. And I know that I'm, I'm I'm gener- I'm generally kind of I guess I mean I guess it depends on who you ask. So I'm ca- I can I can be perceived as kind of a quiet dude, and I can also be perceived as kind of abrasive. And it's weird seeing so many people be so polite all the time. It was re- it was really really cool because as soon as I got off the plane back to America, it was like night and day difference in how people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was like. Whoa! Culture shock, despite the fact that this is the <laughs> culture I'm from. <laughs> did, did it cause you, prompt you to want to aspire to, for lack of a better way of putting it, higher goals back stateside? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I hope that seeing seeing me do that will potentially change the perception a lot of people have of me here. I hear all the time that I'm not as good as this guy or that guy or I don't do enough moves or I can't do this, I can't do that. The the, the list of things I can't do is very small. I can't do a 630. Okay. There's like, what, six people that can't. So I'm not worried about that. But I'm hoping that seeing that makes people say, oh, okay. He's a, alright, well, maybe I'm wrong about this dude. I don't know if you you're going to argue with Kasayashi and Sonny Ono, I'm not. Like if they if they're saying I'm dope, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which is, is totally it, and and you know what you know what it's a preference thing too. So it's totally fine if people don't like me. Like I'm totally okay with that. I get it. But I'd rather you tell me that straight up. Like, ah, I just don't like your style. I don't like your gear. I don't like your face. That's fine. I respect that. 
Uh-oh. Who broke something? Who broke it? Hello? Yeah. Hello? I'm here. All right. Okay, good. Good. Hey, Rob, did you have a question for Trevor before we let him go? What was the, the uh, when you got to Japan, what was the typical day like? Uh, what, were you, what was your schedule like when you were in training and then on the day of the show? So on non-show days, we would get up, we'd clean up the dojo, we'd cook the uh, chankonabe, which I wish I wrote down how to make because it's delicious and super healthy. Um, and then we would have training from, I want to say like 9 to 11 or 9 to 12. So, and the first training is just cardio, all your squats, push-ups, everything, nothing really in the ring just to keep you on your toes. A lot of that was stuff I already do regularly. So I was prepared for that. And then uh, the second training is usually in ring stuff or legit shoot stuff on the maps, which I love because when I was originally trained, we did that. Like um, Micah taught us that forever ago. And I had, I was in boxing and kickboxing before wrestling. So I had no grappling experience. I did not know how to wrestle until I learned how to be a pro wrestler. And then I learned shoot wrestling and stuff from them. So, but in Japan, everybody knows how to do that. So it made me feel pretty honored to be able to do that with them and actually like hold my own and not get killed. I couldn't, I couldn't take Cyrus down. He's huge, but I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet uh, Trevor, I bet training with Micah was came in handy when you went over there, huh? Yes, absolutely. It helps that I still train with him. So, and uh, after that, normally that second training will be around like four, like it was like four to four to six or four to eight. And then usually after that, we kind of had our free time to explore Japan or just hang out, talk, <laughs> go eat because we did a lot of that. And then on show days, it's you get up. Uh, if you want to hit the weight room or whatever, you have time. And then we normally would pack up and get ready and go to the show. Okay. Did you have a big mark out moment at some point? Nope. Yes. That that show we the show we went to, the whole show. But especially <laughs> the main event, because the main event was just all legends and all people I grew up watching. Oh, I also freaked out when Masato Tanaka came out because I don't know if, if you for everyone that doesn't know my finish is a fucking elbow where the guy's on his knees and it was inspired by Tanaka's sliding deep. So the fact uh-huh. that he even came out, I was like, holy crap. I don't have like dream. I don't really have dream matches and stuff, but that if I have one, that's one of mine. Outstanding. So yeah. And when him and him and between him and Muda and Liger, I was freaking out. I was like, Oh man, I'm seeing them wrestle. Now I'm just not just seeing them wrestle live, I'm seeing them wrestle live in Japan, at Kurokin Hall, and I just wrestled here the night before. Just, I was overcome with emotions. Great. Well, Trevor, congratulations, and thank thank you you so much for, when you just, you know, just coming back, being willing to come on and and share some of your experiences with us here on the show. I really, we really appreciate it. And uh, wish you all the best going forward. Sounds like you'll have good things ahead of you here. I definitely hope so. I uh, I don't get I don't get too excited because I I know that coming coming back to the states I might still 
people still might be like, oh, that's a Trevor guy. <laughs> but I hope that's not the case. They're they're lost. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you can't force them. <laughs> so what do you think you're going to do differently to approach promotions and promoters to stand out? Um, well, I'm going to take going to take a a cue from what Tony Ono said and actually use the fact that I was over there as a as a bargaining chip, especially because I'm going back. I can't really say much more about it yet, but that was already that was already kind of in the cards towards the end of the week where they were starting to talk about okay, we're you guys keep doing what you're doing and we're we're already working on when when you're coming back. So I'm going to uh I'm a, I'm gonna take that and use it, especially since he told me to. But I'm also gonna I'm gonna lead. I'm really gonna lead a lot the same way that I have been leading. Like I usually give a lot more to a show than just my matches. Like I go out of my way to film promos and not just a minute a minute video of me standing in front of a a wall or whatever. I usually try to make them a little more cinematic and make little movies out of them or something. Even if it's two minutes, like my my pro style promo for this, this match, it's, it's two minutes long, but it almost looks like a movie trailer because of how I shot it. And just little stuff like that, because I think that I I promote pretty hard for somebody who is unknown and doesn't have, like, a buzz or any kind of, like, cosign surrounding him. I push things as if they're a huge deal. Because to me, everything is a huge deal. Even my small show. Even if it's a show I work one time. Even if it's I get there and I end up being 20 people. To me, it's all a huge deal. And I'm just, I'm going to keep trying to tell promoters that and let them know what I have to offer. And hopefully that's that's something that everyone's looking for. If not, I get it. Well, again, okay. thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, Trevor and to a show coming near near you soon. Look for him. Yeah, look for me, or I'm gonna look for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Take Pleasure. care. Good, good, good. Uh, good listening to that. It's very cool, especially since he literally is within hours of just getting back really yeah uh, within the last uh last day or so yeah uh, uh, he had missed his uh they canceled his flight from uh japan and they had to reschedule from what uh, i saw in his post his postings Oof, that's fun that's got to be fun yeah i know uh i talked to uh um you know i, I talked to a couple of the guys who were on that trip, and that's uh, I'm very envious. That sounds like a like a very cool deal to uh, hopefully break out of, you know, break out of the pack of where you had been working and move to a, a, a higher level of shows and opponents. And I mean, that's that's obviously the goal, unless you're going to be touring over there, which would actually also be pretty damn cool. Um, this is and, one thing I wish I, I'd asked is about potential future plans in going back there for like a tour or, or something along those lines, if that was discussed at all. Yeah, well, he's, he's going back. So hopefully, hopefully so, you know, and it's well, well deserved because he's, he's, you know, I, from seeing recent footage on him, 
he's definitely um you know come a long way and really starting to you know to 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 get to get his thing together um uh you know at at a higher level than before so um wish him all the best for sure um you maybe we'll see him on an action, action show watch. <laughs> yeah you i know i know you city city favorite yeah <laughs> Be a you never know. It's definitely a future. You know, you never know. I'm not. I'm. I'm honestly was interested to talk to him because I'm not that familiar with him. Uh, with uh, with Trevor, I'm not sure if I've met him. Uh, I've seen his name before, and of course, I I recognize recognize the name a little bit from when I saw, um, uh, when I saw that he and Cyrus were the ones who were invited on the on the trip. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you, I'm not, I'm not you, too familiar with him. Matt, you might want to check out some recent footage because he's definitely at another different level than he was, you know, a few years ago. For example, when he used to come to Anarchy, um, I was really, you know, really pleasantly surprised by what I've seen recently um, from him. So check him out. Mm. Hey, we got and, uh, and, he, and that gimmick is pretty darn good. I, it's not, it's yeah. not even a gimmick. It's it's him <laughs> taken mm-hmm. to the eleven. We've got our next guest waiting to to come on. Joining us now, APW promoter, Jeremy Vane. Welcome to the Tipping Point again, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'd be real careful with that P word. I'm the self-professed world's worst promoter, as we found out on my last visit to the Tipping Point. So, uh... Well, if we're looking for promotion, nothing, I'll send somebody else. But I, you know, nothing, nothing like coming show. coming on the show with a little bit of controversy going on. <laughs> oh, there's controversy. Uh, I heard. Yeah, I, I, you know, I believe there is. I've heard something about that. I have Look, not heard anything about that. Well, let, why don't we just jump right into the elephant in the room? You know, you you. Um, Book Jacob Ashworth for his first show since all the controversy at Southern Fried and just being uh, having to give up the title after you know an, an online rant with anti-gay material in it that you know cost him his job there and cost you know the, the company a lot of grief um, and you booked him so what what oh, what give you know what gives. I love how you say that. You know, you booked him, but I didn't yeah. book him. You, and, well, you, uh, you booked him when you booked him when no one else would. And uh, you know, I've got an explanation for that. And uh, you know, it's going to be a long-winded one, but uh, going to rush through it as quick as I can because I do want to give everybody a chance to say what they want to say and comment, and I want to be able to respond and make sure that. Anybody and everybody that wants to address it can, because this will probably only happen once. Um, Number one, the stuff Jacob said was indefensible. It was stupid. It was retarded. It was, (laughs) oh, wait, that's not politically correct either. But, you know, if he had been working for my company and was my champion, he would have been fired and just cast away and I don't know when I would have looked at him again and even without him working there I was still in the boat with everybody else saying you know good riddance to Jacob not personally 
but professionally. And I think Southern Fried did the right thing. I don't think they had a choice, but I, you know, I spoke with David Manders that day, and when he said, yeah, I'm definitely letting him go, I, I told him, you know, I, I don't see how he had a choice, and, you know, I back him 100%, not that he needs my backing or my opinion, but I would have done the same thing. There is no excuse in the stuff he said. I know he made an apology that was kind of, you know, it was it was a sincere apology because I do know Jacob. And I know he's just, uh, for lack of a better term, a dumbass when he's emotional, emotional, and he's always been that way. Way back when, even when he was training to wrestle, him and his uh, ex-wife could get into it, or she would be mad because he was coming to train that day. And I would give him grief about it because it wasn't the first time he had canceled a session. So he'd get mad and quit. And, you know, that quitting would last for about 15 minutes, and he'd call me back and say, hey, I'm sorry. And after a while, I had to start letting him sit home for two or three months, you know, every time he would quit, just so he'd quit being stupid. And here we are 10, 12 years later. Obviously, he hadn't completely learned that lesson yet. That being said, that that's Jacob. And he's never been one known for thinking before he speaks. But um, I got to say that I've seen him in locker rooms for over 10 years now, shaking every hand, hugging every neck, being respectful to each and every person in the locker room under any circumstances. There's been times where once I witnessed like five or six guys slapping him around in an office for something that he didn't even do. And he still took that on the chin and continued to pay dues and made it to where he is today or where he was <laughs> as of a few weeks ago. Um, so I guess, you know, the relationship's been there for years. So even with all that, I still say everybody should have fired him and not used him. And, you know, he deserved everything he got and then some. Let's just say that to uh, sum all that up. But uh, at the same time, as uh, I felt that way, you know, everybody was, you know, like he's a hot potato. Everybody's just. Anytime his name come up, everybody would just, you know, pass it to the next guy and try not to touch it. And I had talked to uh, several promoters, and nobody was going to touch him. And I was the same way. I had talked to the guys that, you know, kind of my inner circle at APW. And we had discussed it and was like, you know, when, you know, I'm not going to jump on Facebook and, say, oh, no, he's never coming back here, and I'm not going to call him and say, hey, you can put us on the list, because he's worked for us maybe three times in the last year, and give or take one or two, he just, you know, he's busy on Fridays for whatever reason, and he's not been a regular in a long time, but I told my booker, James Boulevard, that when he does reach out, just to refer him to me, and I'll let him know. 
Well, his reaching out came last Saturday, and that would be, I guess, the weekend of the 18th and 19th. I'm not in front of a calendar, but the week before the Right, Saturday. yeah. And um, he was asking about coming back to work in November, you know, if he could come back every other week. And I, I just showed the text to Boulevard. James Boulevard is, so when I refer to him, they, y'all know who I'm talking about. Just don't want mm-hmm. you to think I'm talking about like some random street. Stay right here for us. Oh. <laughs> Whose child is that? That would be mine. Hey, Jeremy, it's uh, Mr. D. What's up, brother? Sounds like you've got a sweet little child there. Yeah, he 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 wandered in because uh, he wanted to see if I was talking about wrestling or watching wrestling. I'm trying to hide in the bedroom so I I can uh, and talk. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to interrupt your story. No problem. Please. No, 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 no problem. I hide in my car so my dogs don't bark. Um, <laughs> yeah, you take care of that baby. Don't worry about the story. Um, so where was I? You know I've got ADD. I can't keep up. So oh. you're saying he, he contacted you the weekend of the 18th and 19th right. about coming That's back right. in he November. He texted me on Friday night during the show. Two or three messages. Hey, you know, I'd like to come back if you'll have me. I understand if not, you know, I, I'd be willing to come every other Friday, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I didn't answer because, you know, obviously on Friday nights we're pretty busy. And then it's late when I get out of there. Then I had a couple question marks when I woke up Saturday and then another message that said, man, I understand. I just wish you would pick up the phone and answer and talk to me. You know, I understand if you don't want to do it. I don't blame you. Just, you know, I wish you'd talk to me. I was like, dude, I've been up five minutes. Can you please just give me a little while? So then, you know, I take a shower, eat some lunch, watch some football. And I just sent him a message because I didn't feel like sitting on the phone and talking to him because I felt the same way everybody else did. You know, I was frustrated with him. I didn't plan on having him on my show at any point in the near future or the foreseeable future for that. I mean, he did an idiotic thing. And I told him, you know, brother, this is nothing personal. I appreciate everything you've done for us over the years because he has done a lot with APW. I mean, he used to tear the ring down and set it up every Friday back in the early days, 13 years ago, when we had to do that between shows. And he did it a lot of times almost by himself. It's a joke that nobody's paid more dues than Jacob. So that being said, you know, I was still saying, look, I'm not saying, but I'm definitely saying not now. And my closing line was, when some of these other promoters start using you, we'll reevaluate it then. And I went to a party that later that night that had a bunch of wrestlers at it, and we kind of talked about the messages. We talked about how I responded, and we talked about how, you know, not only did we not have a choice, but we all felt that was the right way to handle it, and that was the way we were going to handle it. And then, enter Jesus. 
<laughs> and I'm going to try not to beat you guys over the head with the Bible, but there's no way to tell this story without giving you a little bit of God's word here. And the next morning at church, we've been doing a series on Jesus and people. The first week it was about how our church isn't a white church or a black church or any kind of church. You know, we welcome any and everybody, and we have a mixed crowd. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing to see because for years you see black churches, white churches, and there's never any, what would we call it, um, intermingling. There's probably a, a technical term for it, but right now it's not coming to me. And the second week was about helping those people that are untouchable, such as your drug addicts, your adulterers, your your uh, people that have just got out of prison, you know, I guess convicted felons, you know, I mean, we mentioned everybody but sex offenders, but knowing our pastor, our pastor would probably welcome them in a limited capacity. And just make sure they were never around kids, because I serve at our church. I'm echoing, but to serve at our church, you have to have a background check. So obviously, you know, so I don't give the church a bad name. That's not a uh, thing that we do there. But um, our pastor's just a really good guy that really tries to reach out to a wide variety of people, like including preaching at a rehab facility and sending one of our church vans there every single Sunday to bring them to church every week. And um, he's helped so many people, and our church as a whole has helped so many people that have just been broken at some point in time. So the third week was titled Someone Like You, and he used a few examples of, you know, how we see the guy on the road with the cardboard sign saying, you know, need help, need food, need this, need that. You know, you see people outside the convenience stores asking for money. And a lot of times we all walk by them and don't even look them in the eye. I'm guilty of it myself. I've done it. I've probably done it within the last two weeks. Um, you see people sitting outside in the heat. Knowing they don't have a car, they're just sitting outside a convenience store sweating. Nobody says hello. They just walk on by with their cold waters. And, you know, it's amazing what a couple of dollars and a handshake would do and maybe a few waters at times. And the whole thing was, you know, a lot of times we don't help because we don't feel capable of helping. And, you know, that meaning, you know, we can buy that guy water, but if he's a drunk, He's going to, you know, we might give him some money, and he might go spend that money on alcohol, drink himself to sleep that night, and you've really just enabled him. But you help those people anyway, and that was what the message was about. You know, you, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't save the world. You can't help the whole world. You just can't do it. But you can help somebody. And if you're close to the situation such as the guy at the corner holding a sign asking for a warm meal. You know, that's that's close close to where you live. That's close to home. And then, the, you know, you got to be concerned about that 
person, you got to be careful who you try to help because, you know, you never know. You could be letting the axe murderer in the car with you. And, you know, everybody's capable of doing something. So he finished the sermon with a story about driving down the road in the pouring down rain last Saturday. And it was freezing cold outside. Well, freezing for this time of year. And he saw a man walking up the sidewalk, pushing a walker. And he had his veteran hat on, and he was older man, probably in his 60s, maybe late 60s, I would guess, just by looking at him. And he, he drove by, and then he was like, you know, this is exactly what I'm preaching about, you know. If you feel like this th- if you feel like you're incapable of helping somebody and you feel like it's impossible, you walk past them enough, they become invisible. So he did what, you know, he was practicing what he preaches, and he turned around, pulled in the truck stop. The guy was walking by, walked through the grass and the pouring down rain, and said, hey, man, where are you going? And the man was on his way up to the corner right there at the interstate exit. He had his cardboard sign with the markers. And he said, I'm just going up here to the corner to try to get enough money to get another room for the night. And he's like, a room? Where are you staying? And he pointed to the hotel about a half a mile back up the road from where he came from. And our pastor, whose name is Derek Anglin, who was an awesome pastor at New Grace Church in Commerce. He said, uh, you're not staying at the corner today. You're not going to stand out here in this rain. Um, Come get in the car. You know, you're not doing that today. The guy looked at him kind of funny and decided, apparently he decided to go because Derek said, you know, I'm not leaving until you get in the car, brother. So the guy walked over to the car, and it took him a long time because, you know, as we mentioned, he's pushing a walker. He gets in the car, and he takes him to his hotel, gives him $20, pays for the room. And he said while he was standing there watching the guy get settled into his room, all he could think about was, what's this guy going to do tomorrow? What's he going to do, you know, what's he going to do tomorrow night? What's he going to do for a meal later? And he gave him $20, and he said he didn't have time to wrestle with, is this guy going to take advantage of my money and use it to buy Drugs, alcohol, you name it. You know, he might buy hookers for all we know if you can get them for 20 bucks. You know, and he said, I was trying, you know, I didn't have time to think about all that. And when it did hit me that maybe he might use that for the wrong thing, I thought about, you know, and I'm quoting the pastor here. He said he thought about how he takes advantage of God's grace every single day because all of us are sinners. Everybody's screwed up at some point. And God covers all of our sins with his grace and has for the last 2,000 years. And therefore, who are we to wonder if the guy that's going to take that $5 bill you hand him when he asks for it and go buy a beer with it? You know, uh, you know, you see that as helping somebody. And he also said, hey, what are you doing in the morning? The guy said, I'll be sitting right here and heading up to the corner. And he invited him to church. He didn't tell him he was the pastor. He told him, I go to church right down here at the corner. You know, if, you, if you're, and the guy was like, shit, yeah, I love church. 
So he said, I do too. Um, how about I come pick you up in the morning at 1045 and we'll, and we'll hook you up with some resources and we'll, we'll get this thing figured out. Maybe you can avoid that corner tomorrow too. And sure enough, he left the nine o'clock service early and he went to the hotel and he picked up this veteran and brought him to the church. And we were able as a church to take care of him and get him the resources he needed to start the process of getting back on his feet. I heard all this and, you know, the text for all this was talking about the man that had been paralyzed for 38 years by the the pool in Bethesda. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. That everybody went through to be healed. And Jesus walked into the room and literally... You know, he, this guy didn't ask him for help. He asked the man, can I help you? And he healed the man. And nobody asked anything. Nobody asked Jesus for anything. He just did it and took care of the man. And for some reason, this sermon, you know, I sat through it twice because I go to both services. I walked out of the church, and I'm getting in the car, and I'm dialing a number, and my son's like, who are you calling? And I said, I'm calling Jacob. He said, you're going to invite him back, aren't you? And I said, I sure am. And he said, I was thinking the same thing while I was listening to him in there. (laughs) So therefore, this sermon just kind of, you know, something bothered me about saying, you know, I'll help you when somebody else helps you. Maybe because it was Jacob, and maybe because I felt like it was the right thing to do. And that sermon, that message, just kind of shot a dagger right through my heart with a message attached to it that says, you need to do the right thing, and you need to reach a hand out for this guy because there was a time in your life when you were, your life was in the crapper, you had did it to yourself, and you nearly lost your family, you nearly lost your vehicle. You nearly lost all of your in-laws and a lot of your friends. And you did it all to yourself from being an idiot, saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things. And it did cost me my marriage. And there came a time that I was locked in a jail cell for three and a half days because I was accused of doing something I didn't do. But what I did do was break a dresser into a million pieces. And, you know, I got locked up for it. And when I, this was during a time that I had been split from my wife for 19 months. We, I was living with another woman for about 18 months of those. And putting my family through hell and my wife through hell. And I walked into that courtroom that day, you know, and it was for the bond hearing, and I'm in shackles in a jumpsuit, and I'm already crying because my mom is going to see me in a shackles in a jumpsuit. That's just a tough thing to swallow. And I walk into the room, and not only is my mother sitting there, but my ex-wife, who I had shit on every day for the last almost two years, is sitting there, and she's there to help me at a time when... I didn't deserve it at a time that I wouldn't have been there for her if the shoes were reversed. And 
that was the most humbling day of my life that I get teary-eyed almost every time I talk about it. And I couldn't help but relate everything I had heard that morning and everything that I have experienced in my life. Jacob, who really put his foot in his mouth and really did a dumbass thing, and I hate to... I really hate to sit here and talk about Jesus and start cussing, but, you know, that's a habit I'm working on, and I'm a work in progress, and, you know, something about wrestling guys make me cuss. I don't know. So, um, that Jeremy, excuse only works for so long. You, you, I mean, clearly from what you said, you, there's a piece you identified with Jacob's position from your own life, and you made the decision to invite him back. But when you invited him back, were there any stipulations on that invite? Actually, there was. I told him, you know, hey, you don't say anything on social media or anywhere publicly unless it goes through me first. Number two, I don't want to see the Confederate flag anymore, ever, anything to do with you, whether it be on social media, in a picture with you and your family in the mountains. Um, you don't come to the shows wearing anything like it. You damn sure isn't never going to wear that gear on my show. And to be, to own the, yeah, yeah, let me, easy for me to say, for the record, he's never wore the Confederate flag gear on my show. Long before this whole issue came about of him being an idiot, publicly. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things. Um also roped him into going to church with me last Sunday, <laughs> which, you know, that's a bonus. Maybe that was a, a guilty pleasure of mine, but uh, <laughs> he's planning to come back this Sunday. And, uh, you know, sometimes you do what you got to do. Sometimes you lie to people and tell them it, it's bring a friend day when it's really not, you know, whatever gets them there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um that was pretty much it. I mean, he he had already reached out and made a lot of apologies to the people that he offended directly. Um, and a lot of those apologies were, you know, I know Jacob, and I know a lot of his apologies stemmed from the fact that he was blackballed from the wrestling business, and I'm sure that hurt. But also, knowing Jacob the way I know Jacob, he's also a big old softy. And I know it hurts him to be hated by people. And he knows that he he made people hate him. And he made people, you know, have disdain for him, and rightfully so. And I knew that. And I knew that you know, somebody had to be the fool that was going to be the first guy that reached out a hand to help him. And when, you know, I, I give the glory for it to God, but when I was the fool that had, you know, crapped on my wife for almost two years, she was that hand for me. Long before, you know, I didn't have any in-laws in that courtroom that day. I didn't have, my stepsons weren't there. But my ex-wife was with a forgiveness and a grace that I never saw the first nine years we were together. And when you when you experience that and you you realize that you're in the position to 
be able to be that somebody for someone else, it, I couldn't help but feel like it was the right thing to do. Now, I did want to talk to all of my guys first. And to be honest, I cared about, you know, I cared that he was sincerely trying to repair the relationship he had screwed up. And I talked to Simon Sermon directly for a long time last weekend after I had made the decision because I feel like he's one of the most respected guys in the business and somebody I love dearly and has never been involved in any kind of drama except for calling people out that were spewing hate. And when he's, you know, when somebody's spewing hate, it's 2019, that person gets held accountable for it, and he just makes sure that they get account, get held accountable for it. And I think enough of him to reach out to him directly and get his blessing, and I got it. And I spoke with all of my guys, and they all had the chance to speak up and only one of them raised their hand to say he was against it. And I asked him to hear Jacob out, and I asked him just to talk to him. And within five minutes, they were hugging each other, and everything was good. And like I said, the most important thing was how the people in the APW family felt about it, because that's who matters. That's what affects our company and our business. And in the big picture, you know, we're not not complaining or playing the woe is me card, but, you know, APW's, you know, hidden up in Royston, Georgia. We don't do any kind of TV. We don't do any kind of road shows. We're, we're the little train that could, and we just keep on trucking. We stick to ourselves, and... I didn't think it would affect anybody outside of APW, and as long as the people in the family were good, then I was good with my decision. JV, I got a question for you. Yes, so sir. I and now this is as somebody who, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a religious person at all, but you know, you and I have always gotten along well, and I believe very strongly though in everything you were saying about. Redemption um, I believe a person can be redeemed um, You know very strongly I guess my my uh, The thought is Is with the timing Because it's been such a short It's been such a short amount of time So the obvious question is What part do you think And, and, I, I, and I like Jacob too I, I thought he was a complete idiot for what he said if he asked me, I'd tell him the same thing, you know. I, and obviously, I know, I know you probably did too. It was, you know, you said it. Um, but you know, how much of it was like genuine re- regret for what he said and people he harmed, and how much of it was regret for what it cost him in pro wrestling? And if there were no consequences for his pro wrestling career, would he? Would he still feel the same way? I guess that's that's my question. And how do you and how do you wrestle with that? Because that would be that would be my concern. Most redemption stories, 
you know, and there are several people, of course, you know, including yourself in your personal life, but those stories have to take place over a number of months, a number of years. This was literally days. It's been just a couple weeks, really. Yes, sir. I am how so do you glad resolve, you how do you resolve that? That's my, that's my question. Okay. I'm going to be fair and, and, and listen to you because I know, you know, I know you're, you know, I know, I know the type of person you are, so uh, I don't question your motivations at all in offering him this. I'm questioning his. Well, um, I'm glad you asked that question, and um, you might have to go back and remind me of the different parts of it because I do want to answer each and every one of them. <laughs> the timing the timing of it for me was when God put it on my heart to reach out and be that hand that he needed when when he needed it. That was the right time. And I would rather it be too soon, which – a lot of the guys in our locker room felt like it was too soon, not for them to forgive, but for they felt like it was too soon for the wrestling community to accept it. And I would much rather be too soon than be too late. And who knows what he was wrestling with and what he was dealing with personally. I don't know. He's never expressed that to me as far as, anything but you know when the whole world casts you out that's got to be a dark place to be in and you know we know as wrestlers that's kind of our social life our social circle involves our fellow wrestlers and it's like a family so and as far as Jacob how he feels I can't speak for him directly but I know he's screwed up I know he knows he screwed up, and I know he felt very sorry about it. And um, I don't know if this is public knowledge or not, but I did see the message. There was somebody named Chris Crunk who I've never heard of or met before, and I assume is probably homosexual. I don't know. I don't want to say that and be wrong, and... If he is, I hope he don't take offense to it because it's nothing to be offended by. But because of the Facebook post that he had about stop promoting homosexuality to our children, which was ignorant as well, he also got a message from that guy saying that he's going to, quote, F him up. F him and his little boy up. He sees him. And his little boy is 10. And to my knowledge, and maybe there's something I don't know, but to my knowledge, that was what triggered the Facebook Live video that was the most idiotic thing I've ever seen him do in the 10 years I've known him plus. And was he... Was he wrong for saying what he did? Absolutely. There's no excuse for it. But I know Jacob from years and years and years, and he has always been one to think before he speaks. And when someone threatens your child and you get angry and you want he started painting with broad strokes, and he pretty much crapped on the whole gay community in the process of addressing this one guy that did 
did something that was pretty crappy. But you know what? Maybe this Chris Crunk guy is uh, maybe his son or maybe his child is homosexual, and maybe that's why he was so offended. He might have been in the same boat as Jacob. I don't know enough to judge that situation, but I know Jacob acted out of emotion and not how he feels genuinely, or at least not how he treats people, in my experience. And that was why I kind of felt like, yeah, he was remorseful, and if he hadn't have been remorseful and I wouldn't convinced of that, then he would not have been brought back. And if he wasn't remorseful, like he wasn't remorseful the first couple of days, you know, if he hadn't have been remorseful when I talked to him, he wouldn't have been brought back. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as that, that being, whether that was sincere, I believe it to be. I can't, you know, I can't prove it one way or another, but I do believe it to be. But is it a remorse with, my concern would be, is it a remorse with understanding how he uh, he attempted to brand a, a group of, of people, you know, the, the, uh, the gay community, um, and not just remorse because of what he lost? That's, you know, that's a bit of a, well, you can't answer that. Neither can I. Obviously, only Jacob can. And I, I hope he's. And like I, I said, hope he's genuinely remorseful. Yeah. You know that's. Just I do a feel question. that he is genuinely remorseful, and he, you know, he reached out to that guy that made that threat. And from what I understand, he reached out to a lot of people that, you know, were the most vocal about what he did. And he apologized to them, and this particular guy that made the threat like screenshotted it and posted it on social media and ridiculed him for it and he didn't respond which if you ask me knowing Jacob that's progress and like I said I believe it to be genuine and I think time will tell and you know like when when <laughs> I'm going to go religious again but when Jesus helped the paralyzed man at the uh at the pool and he healed him without him having to get in the pool. Later that day, he saw that guy thanking God for healing him. And Jesus said, it's good to see you're doing well, but don't go back to your old ways of living, or you might end up in a worse condition. And I think Jacob's not dumb enough to know that it would definitely be worse if he ever crosses that line again. And I truly feel like he is remorseful, and like I said, time will tell, and I don't have time. I didn't have time in the moment to question that. I just have to take it at face value, and, you know, just kind of like the way God did for us, you know, and we shall see, and, you know, while we're talking about genuine, being genuine, after Friday night, after we talked to all of our guys, there was a few, a select few, only one that I know of by name, but I I talked to him about it. But a lot of the guys, or a few of the guys, felt like, oh, we just needed a body on the show, and he was willing to be there, and I just used Jesus as a cop-out to kind of make sure that all the guys accepted him. 
Well, and I don't believe I, that, I would, be, out I don't real believe that would be true for one second. <laughs> right. But, you know, I've pointed out, you know, over the years, me running APW, I've never been afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. I've never been afraid to be honest to a point that was brutal. And I've uh, I pointed that out to him, and it's like, if I just wanted him back and needed a body, I could have had him back the day after he said it when I was still saying we wouldn't touch him. And, you know, there's a whole lot of other people I'd reach out to if that was what it was all about. And and not only that, but I don't think I have the balls to go that route. And it bothered me that any of my guys would think that I used that as a cop-out. But, you know, I hope I'll change their mind in time. And, you know, time will tell with that, too. And that's, you know, all I can do is be me. And I I hope Jacob earns their trust and love. And I hope that uh, they that I erase any doubts they may have, too, um, about me. And one thing I want to point out about Jacob, you know, and I, I swore to myself I did not want to get into this sounding like a Jacob apologist. But one thing I said to my locker room was, you know, can – can I see a show of hands of anybody in here that Jacob has ever personally disrespected or mistreated or treated with anything less than the utmost respect and kindness? And not a soul raised their hand. And even the guy that raised his hand about being opposed to bringing him back didn't raise his hand about that. So that kind of speaks volumes to me about him being remorseful. He was, he was mad at one gay man and he decided to bash everybody that is gay because the reality is it had nothing to do with gays or anything to do with their sexuality. It was, he was angry about something and that was the easiest target. And that was where the stupidity came in on his part. He would have been better off going to that guy's house and kicking his butt by him, you know, by himself. And then, you know, he would have never put himself in this mess. Not condoning that either. That would be assault. And, you know, <laughs> it's not 1985 anymore. But, you know, he just, he handled everything wrong. And, you know, the stuff he said, I don't blame any of the people that hold that against him. I I totally get it. And like I said, it was important to me that our APW family accepted it and accepted him back in. And, you know, anybody that would have had a problem with it, I would have just, you know, I would have dealt with it the same way I dealt with the one guy that did have the problem. We would sit down like grown men and talk about it and and be real with each other until we got resolution and that's how it happened with us and hopefully in time hopefully this provides him the opportunity to start slowly earning respect back other places and if not then if he just earns it back at APW and continues you know as long as he don't make a fool out of me I think that you know doors will open and you know, he's. Uh, I don't know what else he can do without giving the chance to succeed. Jeremy, a couple um, 
quick follow-up questions because we're going to need to start wrapping up here. Did I understand? I want to make sure I understood correctly that you were saying Chris Crunk's a fairly well-known wrestler out of Chattanooga, and you're saying that according to Jacob, he's the one who threatened him and his son, but then that Jacob then reached out and actually communicated with Chris after that happened. Is that? Did I understand you right? Um, the way I understood it happened is he got the message as a result of the meme where he said, quit promoting homosexuality to kids. And then I know there was something that a guy named Ashton Starr screenshotted to the Southern Pride page where Jake yes, commented on, on it. Georgia that, that, yeah, that wound up on the Georgia Wrestling History page, that particular thing that he sent to Ashton. Okay. Go ahead. That, I'm not sure the chronological order of that, but that was the same message as the Facebook Live video. And I don't know what came first, but the apology to Chris Crump from Jacob allegedly happened after the video was made. And I would assume after that comment was made and left on the page. And from what I understand, you know, I didn't see that, but it was posted, you know, online and ridiculed and made fun of. Like, look at this half half butt apology and you know, I, and Jacob didn't react and didn't respond to it. But the guy, I hate to misquote anybody. So, you know, but I do, I did hear that he posted, he, he sent an apology message and the guy screenshotted it and put it on Facebook to be laughed at and pretty much made a comment dismissing his apology. And, you know, and in reality, if the guy threatened his kid, maybe they both should have apologized to each other because they were both wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's not my battle to get involved. Right, in, so. right. But that that is that is Jacob. That was Jacob's allegation, as you understood it, that this guy threatened his this guy being Chris Crunk threatened him and his kid, and that he was responding to yes. that threat. Okay. That was and, what I understand. The Facebook Live video was was. Uh, that's what that's what actually that's what sparked by, yes. him to to post that up. That's what I was told. Okay, and then last question. Then, am I right to to assume then that Jacob is already booked back for another show with you? Is that a is that a fair assumption to make? Absolutely, he's booked every Friday going forward until he decides to do something different. screws up and okay. you know let's just hope he don't and let's hope if he does he does it in a way that doesn't hurt an entire group of people when he does it yeah <laughs> I mean I hope he like you know if he's gonna screw up I hope he sticks a in his pocket instead of be ignorant as what he did this time but Robert, are you there? Doesn't. I am here. Do you have any questions for J- for Jeremy before we wrap up? Because we're starting to run out down. The clock is running down on us here. Right. Oh, come on. Uh, Chris Pritchard does four hours podcast. <laughs> I, I really don't know Mr. Bean very well. I just, uh, from what I've been hearing a thing. And uh, being in a couple locker rooms when I was a ringside photographer, uh, Jack was always nice to me. Uh, some, I... Like I don't understand why he went off like that. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to him myself. Uh, I haven't 
he sent me a friend request, and I haven't responded back to that. Uh, but it, it's it, 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 time will tell. Uh, I would like, you know, if at some point, I'd like to see if uh, he and Ashton Star would uh, speak, uh, or he and, uh, or Simon, and or Simon Sermon uh, would, would uh, speak to that. Uh, yeah, there's um, another I know name I could Simon mention, but I'm not going to mention. Okay. I know him and Simon Sermon have talked extensively because Simon was one of the first people he reached out to to apologize directly to. It seems like he said that him and Ashton Starr have talked. Did, um, the, uh, Jeremy, I, that I is, I did. Speak, no, I, I well, I, I can only say that I did speak with Jacob because he was originally supposed to do this show, and he told me that as well that he did speak with Ashton Starr. Um, of course, he's talked with Simon, but that he also spoke with Ashton Starr. And I should say that Jacob uh, decided against uh, doing this show, and uh, that's when I reached out to Jeremy to ask him if he would be willing to do the show, and he'd already indicated to Jacob that he was. So I appreciate, Jeremy, you coming on. And, Jeremy, I appreciate you you know, laying all this out about how this – what was behind, you know, how this all came about for you to bring Jacob back and um, I appreciate you doing that. Yes, sir. And, I, I mean, I, like I said, I do want to make it clear. I did not defend or condone anything Jacob said. It was probably the dumbest thing he's ever done in his adult life and definitely the dumbest thing he's ever done as a professional and a public figure. And, you know, when you do those things, you're held accountable. And had he been working with us at the time, I don't think that I would have been in a position to be so forgiving and so willing to give him a chance so soon. Mm-hmm. But who knows? If God had put this on my heart the way he did, when he did, I can't say that I would have done anything different. And, you know, one thing, when I say that I don't want to defend him or condone anything, I do want to point out that I think every one of us at some point we have it. We're probably going to do and if you have it and never do, then God bless you because you're better than 99.99999% of the people in the world. And I would hope that when you do screw up, somebody reaches out. You know, <laughs> one of the things that is kind of uh, cliche, but you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And you know, we've all our sins, and you know, who are we to hold a grudge against somebody that has tried to make it right? And you know, I don't blame the people that do. And I hope over time that he proves to everybody what I believe is in his heart. And that's just being a good guy that made a dumb decision, you know, one of many, and that he redeems himself. And I just, you know, that's my prayer for him. I pray that he redeems himself. And I pray that the people hurt by all this, and find it in their heart to be forgiven and give that guy a second chance. But 
If not, I pray that they give him an opportunity to speak to them directly and and work it out like men. And, you know, one guy he spoke out to or apologized to that I don't think had anything to do with any of it was seen, seen Nick. And um, apparently seen Nick was all accepting of his apology and then posted it on Facebook a few minutes later and continued with his uh, public bashing of Jacob, which, you know, that's his choice. But, you know, if the guy apologizes to you and you accept it, then why would you handle it that way? Uh, You know, I don't get that. I don't understand. And I don't understand how it offended him directly either, but, you know. And I definitely don't know how I got brought into that a few weeks ago, <laughs> which, <laughs> which well, you know, that was another thing that, that sucked. But, you know, maybe that's a story for another day. And I think you addressed that quite well in the, in the, in the letter you wrote into, sent into Georgia Wrestling History, which if anybody has not seen that, it's on gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com uh, and on our Facebook page where Jeremy responds to the allegations of race is of race of being a bigot um thank you jeremy um we're going to have to we're going to wrap up thank you to our guest jeremy vane and trevor ann thanks to our co-hosts stepping in rob rothecker and mac griffin and we will see you all again on the tipping point hopefully in two Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.